from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. As credit unions work to assist members through the challenges of the coronavirus pandemic, a focus on member financial well-being has come to the forefront. For CUNA and the National Credit Union Foundation, advancing the concept of financial well-being isn't a new initiative, but it's one that has taken on increasing importance in recent days. I'm Casey Mishlevy, Deputy Editor with CUNA News. On this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, I'm joined by Jim Nussel, President and CEO of CUNA, and Gigi Highland, Executive Director of the Foundation. Nussel and Highland explain what we mean when we talk about financial well-being and why it's a key idea for credit unions to understand and consider. They also discuss how credit unions are working toward member financial well-being during the pandemic and what credit unions can do to share their stories with members, communities, and lawmakers. Gigi and Jim, how did financial well-being as a concept first become a priority for CUNA and the foundation? Can I tell the story, Gigi? Please do, Jim. Go right ahead. So every once in a while, Gigi and I were lucky enough to be able to grab lunch together because we work in the same office and we were celebrating, or at least I was celebrating, all the great success of the Open Your Eyes campaign. And uh, over lunch, Gigi was, I think she was probably getting a little tired of all the celebration. And she said, wait a minute now, Jim, if we are successful in getting America to open their eyes to a credit union, what happens if they don't like what they see? Or what happens if we're not living our mission? And uh, what could we do to ensure that not only Americans open their eyes to credit unions, but uh, what can we do to ensure that credit unions continue for years to come to live their mission? And I thought it was a great question. And it's certainly not something that just Gigi and Jim have to worry about. It's, it's something that each individual credit union worries about on a daily basis. But I thought it was a great question for the movement to consider and to tackle. And so it really started with a great question from Gigi. And I'll, I'll let you take it from there because she's done and the foundation has done just such great work in, in the whole area of financial wellness that I think it'd be good for her to take the conversation from here. Sure. Well, thanks, Jim. And yeah, that that feels like a legacy question now and uh, was not meant to throw Jim off by any stretch of the imagination. And it's sort of the reason I asked it is as the foundation started to really identify its pillars of work several years ago, one of the ones that came up, and this is our Ignite pillar, is this idea that from the Great Recession, we were seeing all of these statistics that people were not getting financially well. In other words, they were not bouncing back from the Great Recession financially. On the contrary, They're becoming more and more financially fragile, financially stretched, lack of slack in their financial lives. And so the work that the foundation has been doing probably for the last good five years has been, how do we help credit unions understand that this national information is actually relevant to credit unions and it reflects where credit union members and credit union employees are? And so we went through and are on a journey around helping credit unions start with measuring their financial well-being of their members and their employees and for many credit unions that did that early on a couple of years ago, they were all really startled. So they had, you know, select employee groups that were really good employers and they figured their employees, those members were making good money. There's no way that those members were living paycheck to paycheck. When they actually did the measurement, they found that 
50% of their members could not come up with $400 in the case of the emergency or 38% of them were living paycheck to paycheck. And so it's that sort of bringing it to make it very real for credit unions, that financial being is really not a thing and it's not these national statistics, it's really the thing <laughs> for credit unions. This is their DNA, this is what they're all about. And it's sort of relooking at what that means for them beyond just you know, like financial literacy and education. So it's a much deeper sense. And certainly in this pandemic, we've seen that more than ever. And we can talk about that. What is the difference between financial literacy or financial education and financial well-being? Financial literacy, the way I phrase this to credit unions is, Casey, if I were saying to you, I'm going to help you be financially literate. There's a little bit of a slam there <laughs> because it suggests that you're financially illiterate. And I don't think anybody wants to come to any conversation from a place of illiteracy. So there's always that there's that almost degradation in a way of you must be illiterate. And so there I'm going to bring you gracefully all of this financial literacy. So it goes beyond that. It's this idea that you really want to give people really four things. You want to give them the control over their day-to-day finances, month-to-month finances. You want to give them the capacity to absorb a financial shock, whatever that financial shock might be. You want them to have the financial freedom to make the choices they want to enjoy the life, whatever they choose to bring enjoyment to their life. And you want to help them be on track to meet their financial goals. So it's really, it's those four things combined together. So it's not just what I know to do with my money, which is the education literacy part. I may know about compound interest, but there may be something about how I dealt with money or my family history or the emotion of money that I don't use compound interest to my benefit. So it's not only what I do with it educationally, intellectually, but also how I feel about it. It's that combination of things. And I think last but not least, financial health and well-being are really interwoven with every other part of my life. You know, sometimes you think about financial literacy as very discreet. Financial well-being is tied to my housing, my access to food, my transportation, my education, my health care. They're all interwoven. And so this is really sort of a broader view of your member and your employee to understand them in not only the big events of their life, the buying the car, the retiring, the going to college, but also the micro moments. What card am I using to go onto Amazon and buy toilet paper during the pandemic? What does that look like? While well, financial literacy is a part, it's much bigger than that. One thing I'd just say is that uh, certainly the foundation, CUNA, credit unions are not new to this. But I think what Gigi and the foundation have done and so many others have done in this regard is learn from our past, learn from the mission delivered over the last number of years and say, what can we do to connect with whole new generations that need financial assistance in different ways? And as Gigi said, just the way we talk about it, how we deliver it, the moments in time. I remember people saying throughout my career, you know, if we just teach this in high school, everything would be great. Well, we learned that we actually do a lot of teaching in high school, but it doesn't mean you retain it. I'm certainly not good at retaining my algebra from from high school, but (laughs) if you teach it when we need it, when a person is buying a car, when they're in a different life stage, it connects better and it sinks in in a whole new way. So it's something we've all been doing but we're learning new ways of delivering a really important, great product that our members and future members really need in order to recover from what they've just been through, let alone thrive in the future. 
Gigi, how has the coronavirus pandemic shaped the way we should think about financial well-being? I think more than anything, it's probably put a very bright spotlight on the link between people's health and their wealth. So everybody is going through this pandemic, but we're all going through it very separately. We have lots of stats. We know that more than 50 million Americans filed unemployment since February. We know that one in five have had their income reduced. We know that tens of thousands of small businesses are shuttered and won't reopen. This idea that the stopping of income for so many people or the minimization of income for so many people has a huge effect then on people's financial well-being because it then means do I have enough money to pay rent? Will I be evicted? Do I have enough money to pay a loan? Do I have enough money to put food on the table? And for many more people, millions of more people, that reality has now been put right in front of them because of this pandemic. So it's augmented what we already knew that 78% of us are living paycheck to paycheck and that 40% of us don't have $400 to weather a financial emergency. So it's put the spotlight on that. And at the same time, I think it's offered an amazing opportunity to then meet members where they are in life and find ways as credit unions to be able to coach them, to offer products and services, to find them the resources that they need in a way that is so true to who credit unions are, not only in the people helping people, but just also in the not-for-profit mentality. So I, I know Jim probably has some other things to add to that. Well, just that I know how I am in these situations and I know how others have responded as well. And that is when you go through a crisis like this, it could be whether it's a hurricane or some of these wildfires or when you come to anything. And this one has hit everybody. This health crisis has hit really everybody, every community. You worry about really personal things. And there, other than your family and your own personal health and food and shelter and sometimes even toilet paper, you worry about your money, especially when you're under the stress, when you hear about 50 million people filing for, for unemployment benefits, that's a lot of stress. And so it's a moment in time when they're searching and credit unions are already there as the financial first responders across the country during all of these crises, no matter if it's a local forest fire kind of crisis or a hurricane or something as big as COVID, one of the first places people check is their money. And credit unions have demonstrated time and time again that they are there in the breach, not only handling the routine, but handling those things which are certainly like COVID, not routine at all, and things like they've never seen before. So there's a moment in time we have that uh, credit unions, dare I say, are able to take full advantage in a positive way of delivering a value proposition that really nobody else can. And that's the credit union difference. And that's the reason why, as we recover, our members are going to remember how credit unions responded. And a whole new generation of consumers are going to look out there and say, who was there for me? Who was looking out for me? Who was there in the community? Not just who was helping me personally, but who helped some of the restaurants in my community? Who helped some of the small businesses? Who was there to help some of the community foundations or some of the not-for-profits? And time and time again, you look across the country and credit unions have stepped into that breach. Others have as well. But boy, I'm proud of what I see every day from individual credit union professionals as well as credit union boards and credit unions in general just 
have really been there. And that's going to be important as we continue to recover and restart the economy. And what have we seen in terms of credit union response? What stands out to both of you as being a product of this pandemic in particular? You can tell individual stories till you're blue in the face. And by singling out any of them, it suggests that these are the best ones and they're not. They're just, I know a credit union in Philadelphia that the first thing they did was they bought masks and PPE for healthcare professionals uh, in their area. I've heard of credit unions that have delivered meals to hospitals, to the folks working on the front line of dealing with the, the health crisis. There is a credit union down in South Carolina that as part of this, just to help their members deal with the economic part, they offered a skip a pay program. Many credit unions have done that, or they waive fees. A family Trust Federal Credit Union of South Carolina offered fee waivers, payment deferments on loans. They offered mortgage forbearance. And then they also offered what they call pandemic assistance personal loans. I mean, this is what I was talking about when I think about people have a long memory. There's a dentist. I love this story from the National Institutes of Health Credit Union up in Maryland. And this dentist had no relationship really with any bank or credit union to deal with, you know, their small business. They're running a business when you're running a a dental practice and couldn't get anyone to return their phone calls until called up the NIH Federal Credit Union. And not only were they able to get assistance through the PPP program in less than 24 hours, he got emails from some of the professionals that worked at the credit union at one in the morning, which just tells you the dedication and the passion. If you're there still working on the front line, that's what I mean when I say financial first responder, because that's no longer just a job or a profession. That's somebody who is above and beyond the call of duty that's running toward trouble, running toward a crisis when maybe others are running away. And as I say, the dentist has already contacted all of his friends who have dental practices and said, hey, if you're running into trouble, call the credit union. They are there to help you. And that's what I mean by people have a very long memory. So if you aggregate all of those answers and all of it, I can tell you that we've done some analysis and we've discovered that in the PPP program alone, this is that small business program that had fits and starts, but still there were over 900 credit unions that supported about 196,000 PPP programs worth almost $10 billion. Now, remember, credit unions tend to be consumer lenders. They're not there always and often. We don't have the track record handling commercial lending and small business lending that we do in personal and consumer loans. But jumping in with $10 billion on almost 200,000 loans in this situation is the way to help deal with the problem that uh, a lot of communities and a lot of small businesses were facing and may have made the difference between life or death for that small business and certainly saved scores and scores of thousands of jobs as a result. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add to that, I think that those are just great examples. I think just to sort of put the cherry on top, credit unions are responding to the evolving nature of this pandemic as well. So I know of a lot of credit unions that as school starts, they're looking at their IT, their laptops that they've had that maybe are now out of commission that they're cleaning up and they're donating to YWCAs or you know to school systems. So I know PenFed has an opportunity and so does Navy Federal Credit Union that they're launching pretty soon. But other credit unions I've heard 
doing that or responding to food needs, starting a food bank for their own employees within the credit union in a safe way to help their credit union employees, their colleagues deal with this crisis, particularly if they have a loved one who has been furloughed and now they're living on one income versus two, you know, just that sensibility around what do people need right now and how is the evolving nature of those needs? How is it evolving and how can we meet those? I'm just, I'm so amazed by how credit unions are just constantly thinking about that evolution and trying to meet those needs as they see them. We have all of these incredible stories of how credit unions are responding to member needs. Moving forward, what should we do as a system in terms of action or messaging related to financial well-being? I'll start with action. The first thing we did is we wanted to discover what the challenge really is. I mean, I think one of the worst things you can do is assume that you know, and and I've been guilty of that myself. You hear one story or a few stories that are similar, it must mean everyone's going through that exact same thing. And while there are certainly trends, you've got to do a lot more collection of data and information and learning and listening and understanding because everybody is going through this just a little bit different depending on the neighborhood they live in, the community, the town, wherever the state. So that first and foremost, I think is making sure we do that. And we started a a task force that helped to gather this and to gather best practices and information. We call it the COVID-19 Restart and Recovery Task Force. It's a way to just begin charting the course. It's not meant as the only answer but it's a way to say, what are we learning? What are we gathering? What's working? What's maybe not working? How do we make sure we're continuing to serve? There's many trends, but I'll just mention two. One is we're learning that people expect to be served remotely and digitally more than ever before. And that's a real challenge for credit unions that are used to very individual personal service where it's people helping people in a very individual, high-touch sort of way. But the remote digital experience is coupled with people having individual challenges where they actually do demand tailoring information that's coming to them and services that are coming to them to meet their very individual needs because they know one size fits all. They don't want the same thing that their neighbor has because their neighbor and they know that they're in the soup in a little bit different sort of way. So I think credit unions have a unique opportunity to be able to accomplish both. We already have the individual connectivity to members. And uh, I think people recognize that we have that ability. Now what we have to do is be able to adapt to this growing remote digital workplace and service place in a way that allows for individual members to be able to get that individual service at a time when obviously we have to do it remotely. So those are, I mean, just two kind of basic things that we're learning, but one size certainly does not fit all. And we're never going to be able to compete probably with the likes of the trillion dollar money center banks that are able to put billions of dollars toward an app or an online service. But I think we can be fast followers and do it in a way that still provides individual service for the credit union members that they've come to appreciate. I think the other thing I'd add to that is that financial being is really, it's not a product, it's really an approach. So it's a mindset, it's a culture, I think, of organizations and of credit unions that when it starts at the top, I think, and when it flows all the way through the organization, there's this culture of putting 
the member's financial being at the center of all of the business decisions that you make. And by doing that, not only is that very credit union-esque, but it's also incredibly powerful from that high touch and that relevance perspective that Jim was talking about, because my needs are going to be different than yours and from Jim's. But to the extent that my credit union either tries to anticipate that through the data that they have of my transactions or through system partners that have data that can maybe show some patterns to be able to get meet me where I am in life can be hugely powerful. And I think credit unions have a real opportunity to leverage their system partners to be able to do that. I think there's a cooperative opportunity here because we've got a lot of resources. Again, I come from a place of abundance. We have a lot of things that we know. It's piecing them together in a way that tells the story of where Gigi Highland might be in her financial journey right now. And then meeting her with a call, with an email, with a text, with whatever the situation might be. So I think there's an opportunity there to leverage the technology to put financial being at the center of the strategy. And then last but not least, to humanize it, to put a face on it. It's kind of like human design-centered thinking. You know, if you put a face to what might a person who is still employed and doing okay financially in the pandemic, what are they looking for? They're probably looking for a lot of contactless payments because they don't want to touch anybody. They want to order everything online. What is a person who's now fired and is worried about eviction? What are they worried about? So humanizing that and finding ways where the credit union can intercede and either help with products and services and or connect with a trusted community resource. Again, people will remember that because you helped me, you had my back when I needed you. So I think Credit Union's thinking about that. And in a way, it's not rocket science. It's kind of stepping back and starting over with that. What might our members need and who are they and what do they need right now? So those are the two additional things that I would add to Jim's great comments. What are some of the metrics we can use to determine how well we're moving the needle on financial well-being? It really depends on where you are in the country because regions are really different. They're experiencing this pandemic differently. So in one place, you might do a focus on emergency savings. In a way, you can never have too much savings. So that's, I think, really relevant for a lot of people. But maybe there's a focus on food insecurity in a certain place. Um, I think of the state of Maine and what the Maine League does They are knowing that Maine is one of the most food insecure states in the Northeast. How do credit unions and their leagues and their state credit foundations all think about what's really relevant to the members that we serve right now? And what can we move the needle on? It might be food insecurity. It might be savings. It might be getting them into affordable transportation. I would hate to say that there's one metric necessarily that's applicable to everybody, there certainly is a lot of literature out there that if you have people save, spend, borrow, and plan in certain ways, those are certainly measures of enhanced or increased financial well-being. And those are some great things to look at as guideposts. But you know, I think it's where are our members? Do we really know? And what can we do to meet them? And the last thing I would say is that this is longitudinal work. This is not a product for six months and then you move on. This is long work, but it's an amazing story to tell that members are better off financially because they work with your credit unions. And I'll do a softball to Jim from an advocacy perspective. Oh my goodness. That's a, I think that's a gold mine. <laughs> yeah. People definitely serving in policy positions want to know that the work that you're doing is making an impact that is having an impact, not only in the lives of the individuals that you're working with and serving, but the communities as well. And, and there's going to be a, so much need coming out of, there's need now and there's there continues to be and this need will only continue to grow. 
because the recovery is going to be relatively slow. There are people who are going to recover hopefully very quickly in this and, and thank goodness for that. But there are others, there are communities of color, there are pockets of poverty and challenges. There are industries that have dried up and communities and small businesses that are gone and uh, people are going to be displaced for a while, whether it's losing housing or losing a job or losing a loved one and the impact that all of that has on their individual future. And so it's going to take a while for many people to recover to get us back to where we were, which we were complaining about back in January of this year, or we were at least concerned about not being secure enough. It's going to take us a while just to get back to that plateau, let alone continue to improve. But I think Gigi's right. The foundations we're learning are pretty obvious or pretty basic, meaning a foundational health and wellness kind of statistic or metric is something that is relatively universal, almost like a building code. If you're going to build a building, there are certain standards you want to make sure that you apply to. But the finishing work, once the finishing contractor goes in or the finishing carpenter or the people that make the final decoration changes inside your home, that's going to take a very unique approach that really only I think only cooperative financial institutions such as credit unions are best able to accomplish because they're local. They're right there, able to do the hand-to-hand combat on top of the codes, the building codes, the standards, the metrics that are universal. So I think we're going to be able to accomplish that better. And then we've got to tell the story. Credit unions I'm just going to say this the way I'm thinking it. We're not good at telling our story. And I think part of it is I've learned as a relatively newcomer still to credit unions is that we don't do it to tell the story. We do it to actually fulfill the mission of help and assistance and being able to put your head on a pillow at night and saying, I did something for my neighbor. That's different than what motivates a lot of people. And so we've got to be better at telling the story of how we made a difference because people want to know that. And it helps us, I think, perpetuate the credit union difference into the future. And it obviously helps us with advocacy. As we go tell our story to policymakers, we can say, this is what we accomplish for individuals. This is how your community is better because of credit unions. What is the best way for credit unions to communicate how they're addressing financial well-being from both a member and advocacy perspective? Well, we start by doing it together with, we call it a three-tier system. In other words, we, CUNA, the Credit Union National Association, works with our individual state leagues. So there's a league in every state that is providing not only advocacy assistance, but solutions assistance and helping us to communicate and advocate on behalf of not only credit unions, but talking about this credit union difference. And so that's one of the ways to do it because without that three-tier system of of credit unions working together with leagues and our national association, that's probably the first and most important way from an advocacy standpoint. I think the beauty of what we've done in the last two or three years is that we've done a much better effort of tying in not only our national foundation, but our state and credit union foundations that are out there as a patchwork, a quilt, really a, a beautiful quilt of work that are delivering the difference that Gigi talked about up front, some of the mission differences that 
really make a difference, not only for credit unions, but allow us to serve in a whole new robust way in the communities where we serve. So from an advocacy standpoint, which I'm speaking to, it's helping us tell our story, living our difference, and then being able to communicate that to policymakers as we seek to improve the environment, the operating environment for credit unions, so they can go out and continue to do that. But let me turn it back to Gigi, because I think the foundations are demonstrating an amazing and beautiful way of partnering with that whole concept moving forward into the future. I think the power of the credit union system is our three-tier structure, that ability to be able to really start at the local level and to work through state credit union foundations and leagues and then the National Association and Foundation to be able to really harness those stories, not only from an advocacy perspective, but I think also to, from a consumer perspective, to be able to tell our members what we do so that they feel good about what we do. And as Jim said about the great dentist story, to tell others that they should be part of a credit union and and doing that work. I think at the state credit union foundation and national credit union foundation level, we're really working hard to find ways to be synergistic in sharing those stories together so that we can augment them. I think through our grants processes, we're testing what credit unions are doing and what's working. We're showcasing what credit unions are doing. I think almost every credit union you talk to will understand viscerally what financial well-being is. I think they get it. They have that aha moment. I think the stumbling block is, but how do I do it? How do I start? And so I think the foundations, national and state, are really working together to help tell that story. How do you start? Well, you start by profiling your colleagues that may be doing something around split deposits to help employees save more. How did they do that? And what worked? What are some takeaways that you can use in your own shop to get that rocket and rolling and to get it up and running? That's sort of the journey mapping. That's a little bit of the field notes taking of this journey that we're on around financial being is sharing those stories and then profiling them. I know on the foundation's website to help arm credit unions with more knowledge so that they don't feel shy or scared about getting started to really put financial being at the center of their strategy. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.